Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 of the Masters Muscle Podcast. Vin, before we introduce our guest, I had someone reach out to me okay. and ask, you know the lineup, obviously. Is there anybody you were excited to be standing next to on the Olympia stage or anybody that you, you competed against to kind of reinvigorate the rivalry or anything? Um, honestly, no. Um, I, I've, I've just been staying in my own lane. And okay. just I'm, I'm focused on me getting in shape. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had this uh, thought, actually. I don't know if you guys understand this, but I actually have thought about shutting down my Instagram and shutting down my Facebook for the next three months because it can be a little overwhelming with people asking me that kind of question. Mm -hmm. And they're expecting me to give them some, you know, like either gossip or or even to the point of any kind of question leading into the show. Um, and it could be a little overwhelming sometimes. So, no, I'm not thinking about anything okay. but just bringing my best to the Masters Olympia and uh, leaving it all on the stage. Taking button, taking names. I love it. So, Vin, please introduce the guest of the, guest of the night. So, uh, God, I, I can't tell you. I, I feel like I've always known John. Um, we've crossed paths many times throughout the years at the uh, Olympia, the Arnold. And I, I pride myself in not only being a competitive bodybuilder, but a fan of the sport. And um, the only person that I can think of that came close to, to that was Chris Cormier after a conversation I had with him. And then throughout the years, uh, John Hansen would pop up. I'm like, John knows everybody. <laughs> John knows more people than I do. He knows so many people in the industry um he's so well versed and i wanted to get him on the podcast to have him share his knowledge and his experiences and welcome john thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me man i appreciate it oh you're welcome listen Honor so on. one one of the things that i don't know about you is how you actually got started so let's go to that and okay we'll all right. I got started in bodybuilding in the 1970s. I think it was uh, I think I was around 13 years old. Um, my interest in bodybuilding started when I was a kid and I used to read the comic books, the superhero comic books. And I admired the superhero physiques back then, because as anybody who was around back then knows, bodybuilding was a very small sport and actually fitness was not around. I mean, it was not popular. Like nobody worked out. You would very rarely even see anybody who had muscles, you know. And um, there wasn't many gyms around back then. So the only guys that I knew who had muscles were these superheroes. And then uh, the next guy I saw who created my interest was Bruce Lee. Um, we were at a car show. My whole family was at this antique automobile car show or something. And uh, they had the Batmobile there from the TV show Batman. But they also had the Green Hornet car there, which was I think it was called the Black Beauty. And this was shortly after Bruce Lee died and they had a poster of Bruce Lee against the car and it said in memoriam Bruce Lee. And I never saw him before. I didn't know who he was. And he was ripped. It was from Enter the Dragon. It was a picture from Enter the Dragon. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who is that? That guy looks like a real life superhero. So because he had just passed away, there was a bunch of magazines and books written about him that were on the marketplace. So I bought everything I could about him and I did everything he did in order to look like that. And one of the things he did was he worked out with weights to have more power and also, I think, to develop his physique. So when my parents asked me what I wanted for Christmas that year, I told them I wanted a weight set. So they bought me the weight set and then it came out with a little uh, fold out of like 10 different exercises. 
So I started doing those exercises at home in the back room of our, uh, of our house. And then uh, I wanted to do more. So that's when I started going out to the health food store and I bought bodybuilding magazines. And I finally discovered what bodybuilding was. And when I started reading Joe Weider's Muscle Builder magazine, I just completely fell in love with bodybuilding. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a bodybuilder. I want to win Mr. Universe. I want to be in the magazines. You know, so I just completely knew what I wanted to do with my life before I even went into high school. This was before my freshman year. And uh, wow, I just followed it from there. I started competing when I was 16. So I started competing very young and I did 10 teenage contests between 16 and 19 years old. And wow. uh, then after that, I kind of bulked up, um, spent the next two years, like when I was 20, 21, really bulking up. Because when I was competing as a teenager, my metabolism was so fast that I was kind of thin. And I always thought I had like a nice structure, but I just didn't have the muscle mass. I wasn't one of these guys that grew really easily. I was kind of an ectomorph. So it took a lot of work to build up my physique. And so when I was 20, 21, I just spent those two years bulking up, getting bigger, eating a ton of food, training really heavy with the basic compound movements. And then by the time I was 21, I was 230, which was 100 pounds heavier than when I started when I was 13 years old, I was like 130, 135 pounds. And then I started competing again in uh, the uh, MPC and then eventually made my way to the natural bodybuilding competitions. And then uh, I won the natural Mr. Universe and natural Olympia. John, I saw, I saw a podcast with you that as a teenager, you're eating 5,000 plus calories because your metabolism was so crazy. When I was uh, in that 20, 21-year-old period, yeah, I was eating like 5,000 calories. <laughs> I was like force-feeding myself because I could not gain weight. I mean, I remember there was like one period. I got up to 205. I think my last teenage show, I was like 175. And then once I started eating, I think my body wanted to grow after three years of straight dieting, basically, you know, competing in all those shows. And then it right away went up from like 175 to 205. And I thought I was on my way. And then I got stuck at 205 for like eight months. And so then I had, that's when I went out and bought the Nutrition Almac. Do you remember that book, Vinny? Yep. This was before the internet. So we didn't have the internet to look at. We had to actually buy books. And so I went out and bought this book called the Nutrition Almanac. And it had all the foods, all the calories, protein, carbs. And I started analyzing what I was eating. And I figured out what my calories were. And I said, okay, I got to like really increase this in order to gain weight. So I had to go up to like 4,500, 5,000 calories a day because I was like an ectomorph and I really had to force feed myself in order to gain weight. And then I finally went up to like two thirty in like six months. Wow. Now, besides the, the book, did you have um, a mentor, anyone else in the gym that you learned from? No, not really. In fact, uh, the first couple of years I trained at home because I didn't have a driver's license. So, and there was no gyms around. I mean, there was no gyms that were close and I wasn't going to ask my mom and dad to drive me to the gym every day. So I just trained at home. So I just bought like an incline bench and, a, you know, some more weights and some dumbbells. And I trained at home for the first two years. And then I finally got my driver's license and went to a gym. But uh, no, I didn't really have uh, nobody helped me. I mean, I just got my inspiration basically from the magazines. Cool. And, um, you know, I mean, you know this too, Vinny. I mean, we had to learn everything just from like talking to people. You know, I mean, you didn't really have the Internet. You didn't have all these forums or all this access to information. So we just learned from reading the magazines and from talking to other people in the gym, you know? Yeah. So in those first two years and uh, you were working out in your house, in your basement, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So what, in those two years, did you compete then? Uh, it was right after that. 
because I did my first show when I was 16 and uh, I think it was like, yeah, almost 17. So I've been training like about two and a half years. And I think I, I was training for like six months in a gym before I finally did my first show. Cool. Wow. Yeah. So when you first, when you picked up your first magazine, you talked about Bruce Lee, who was the first bodybuilder? Was it Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody else that kind of took you, took your eye? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the first magazine I bought, Boyer Co. was on the cover. It was an Iron Man magazine. Wow. And then the first uh, muscle builder I bought, I remember Mike Menzer was on the cover. But yeah, Arnold was the man, you know. I mean, Pumping Iron had come out in 1977, which was the year I started bodybuilding. In fact, I saw I saw Pumping Iron in the theater. I was one of the oh, few wow. people that saw it in the theater. Wow. And uh, back then, it was kind of like an art house movie. So it was playing at one, show, one theater downtown. I had to get my mom to drive me and my brother to the theater. And we saw it. And then I don't think it was really around again until a couple of years later when it was on like public television, like PBS. But uh, yeah, so I saw that in the theater. And um, yeah, Arnold was the guy, you know, I mean, everybody wanted to be like Arnold. He was the man. So he was already retired for a couple of years. He retired in 75. But I remember when I was competing as a teenager, there were so many teenage bodybuilders competing. Yep. And I really think now looking back all these years, I think the reason was, was because all these teenagers like me saw pumping iron and we were all inspired, you know, and we all wanted to be bodybuilders because bodybuilding was super cool back then. It was cool to look like a bodybuilder, you know, guys like Mike Menser and Robbie Robinson and Danny Padilla and Franco yeah. and Arnold and Zane. I mean, those guys were really cool looking physiques. And I think everybody wanted to look like that. And they, they had kind of physiques that were sort of unattainable. You know, if you were 16 years old and you were working out, you look at a guy like Frank Zane or, or even Arnold and you say, I could look like that one day, you know, because they still look like human beings. They weren't complete freaks like they are now. So yeah. I think that's why there were so many teenagers. Cause I tell people like I did this show called the teenage Mr. Illinois and it was an AAU show and they had it in age groups. So they had like the 14 to 16 year olds in one class, the 17, and 18 year olds in another class. And then the 19 year old guys were in their own class. There was a hundred teenagers in that show. A hundred. Wow. This is a state level show. I remember in my class, there was 40 guys. They brought us out in like four lines of 10. I'm like, holy shit. It was I had the same experience back in 1987 when I did the Teenage New Jersey. Yeah. I took, uh, I took fourth in the lightweight class out of like 30 kids in the yeah. lightweight class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you remember, um, uh, Robbie Lopez won that. He was a teen. Gerard yeah, Dente. Yeah, Gerard Dente won it. Okay. Um, there's some big names in the show back then. Yeah. 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 So yeah, teenage teenage shows were were packed and the masters guys, they were like three or four. And now right. it's the opposite. Now it's opposite. Because all the teenagers are masters now, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're hanging in there, right? Yeah. Right. So like what um your transition from the way you used to train to the way you train today, yeah. is it, is it, uh, is there a big difference? Do you, have you changed things around? Um, or maybe what, how what, did you train when you started and then, and then to now? Well, when I was trying to get bigger, um, because I was uh, kind of thin, like I said, I thought I had a good structure. I had wide shoulders. I had a big rib cage. So when I would look at pictures of myself, I'm like, well, I think I could be good if I could get bigger. Cause I just got to fill out. I got to get thicker muscles. And I, because I was more ectomorphic, I think, I mean, I wasn't totally ectomorphic. I would say probably ecto meso, you know, uh, but I needed to get bigger. 
And what the magazines always said was the, the best way to get bigger is use the basic compound movements with as heavy weight as you can go for like six to eight reps or six to 10 reps. So that's what I did. I tried to go get as strong as I could for the, for all the basic compound movements. I stuck with just free weights, barbells, dumbbells, and I would do squats and bench presses and incline presses and barbell rows, T-bar rows, all the basic compound movements. And I tried to get as as strong as I could for six to eight reps. So today, I mean, I kind of stick with the same program. I still use a lot of the basic compound movements. I go as heavy as I can. I still use mostly free weights. I haven't gone over to machines. And I just have to make, you know, some accommodations for my age because I've been training for so long. I've got kind of compressed disc in my lower back. So I got to be careful. Like I can't do deadlifts at all, but I can still do squats. Um, I could still do stiff legged deadlifts. I could still do barbell rows. I could still do you know, a lot of the basic compound movements I did back in the day. And so, yeah, I kind of basically do the same thing. You know, I mean, I, I know a lot of people change totally their, their training philosophy, but I, I've kind of, I guess I'm just stubborn. I kind of stuck with the same thing. But do you take a longer time to warm up to get to those weights now? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like we just did legs today. So my training partner is 26 years old. So, uh, you know, we'll usually start with abs and then we'll do hamstrings, and then we'll do leg extensions and then we'll do leg press and then we squat last. And he's like, why can't we squat first? You know, I want to see how much I can squat. And I'm like, I got to get warmed up, man. <laughs> you know, I got I to gotta warm up my knees, my lower back. I got to, it takes time. Yep. I can't just jump in right into squats. They don't understand. <laughs> no, you will. <laughs> I, I find it funny. Even when I talk to guys who are like close to 40 and they're like, Oh God, you don't understand. I go, I do. You don't understand what you yeah. feel right now is nothing compared to what's coming. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of follow the same same philosophy, except the only thing that I have changed is just um, a couple of like warm up sets before. Yeah, I I do my heaviest set, but I still do. I, I I've incorporated, especially now I'm training for the Masters Olympia. I, yeah. I it's mostly all compound movements, basic stuff, and um, but my it's my warm up. That's that's really the the key for yeah. me to be able to do those things. Yeah. So and it's I, good to I hear that you're doing like, also. Uh, I do yoga and I have an inversion table at home. So I do the inversion table almost every day. So I do stuff like that to try to yeah, like. Mine's right here. Oh, you got one? Here's my inversion table. All right. <laughs> John, yeah. were, you, you were using the inversion prior to your back injury or did you do it because of your back injury? Yeah, it's just I usually do it in the morning um, and I do it before I do my yoga. But okay. I do it because I have like uh, the compressed disc. So it kind of, you know, it, it gives you a little more uh, space in between the disc. And then yep. once that's a little looser, then I go and do my yoga, which I do all my stretching and, you know, stretching the hips and the lower back and the hamstrings and stuff like that. And how many days a week do you incorporate yoga? I would say uh, five days a week. I try to oh. do it in the morning at least five days a week. It's just a it's a 20 minute DVD. So it's it's real basic. You know, I've been oh, doing okay. basic yoga for 20 years. <laughs> oh, so you don't you don't actually go to a yoga studio? No, no, I've never gone to a class or uh, that hot yoga. I've never tried that yet. So you're just doing it to like keep yourself mobile and flexible? Yeah, just kind of like injury prevention. You know, just trying to keep everything. Uh, and it definitely helps. You know, the the looser I am, especially my hips, my lower back, my hamstrings, uh, the better it is for my training because then I can train heavier and I, I you know avoid getting those injuries. I've been thinking about adding that in for this prep, and um, uh, it's nice to hear that you you have that in your, your in your program because yeah, you know, uh, I, I know nothing about it. Like, I've never done it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know some of the classes, they get into all these different positions and really weird stretching and stuff, but this one is just kind of basic. So it's just sitting on a chair and like bending forward and things like that. So it's pretty basic and it's, it's just mostly stretching, which is what I want. I'm not really into the, uh, the different yoga positions, you know? So it's for old guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's cool. So when you, um, got ready for a contest, mm-hmm. how was your approach in getting ripped? Well, uh, when I was younger, I would get ripped easier. Now, after I bulked up, um, it would usually take me like 10, maybe 12 weeks to get ripped. And I would bulk up in the off season. I would go up to like 230 or 240. And then I would get into a show and going around 205 was kind of my average weight, I think, when I was competing. Um, as I've gotten older, it's taken longer. And the, the amount of time I diet would all depend on how bulked up I got. Like I remember when I won that second uh, Natural Mr. Universe, I, got, I was up to 243 that year. So I think I took 20 weeks to diet down because I try to lose the fat really slow. Um, so I'm trying to lose like maybe a pound and a half a week. So I got to give myself enough time. Um, if I was to do it now, yeah, it usually takes longer. It usually takes three or four months and it depends. I don't really bulk up anymore, but if I'm a little lax on my diet, you know, I will obviously gain some body fat. So to get really ripped, uh, it probably would take at least four, four months three to four months to get ripped now. Did you manipulate calories overall or did you rotate carbs? What was your approach? It's usually just decreasing my calories to a certain level. And then I like to keep the carbs a little bit higher and the fats maybe a little bit lower. That seems to work better for me. Um, But if it does get tough, then I will do the carb cycling. Uh, That seems to work. You know, like if I go three days in a row of lower carbs, high protein, and then uh, one day where I go really high carbs and then lower a little bit lower protein and really low fat that seems to stimulate my metabolism, but I don't do it all the time. I'll do it maybe toward the end of the dieting when, you know, it's hard to get that little bit extra off at the end. Sure. Are you a cardio guy or do you rely more on the food, food and train weights? Yeah, more food and, and with the weights. I mean, I will incorporate cardio. I do more cardio now than I did when I was younger. When I was younger, I mean, there was many shows I did where I just dieted a long time and did no cardio. And I was able to do that, you know, Um, but now being older, I think I do have the cardio definitely does help. Um, If I do it like four, sometimes, yeah, usually about four days a week. I usually don't go more than that, but I'll do it usually right after a workout or on my days off. I'll go like for a long walk, like a 40 minute walk. And uh, just outside, you know, we live in I live in Tampa here, so it's beautiful right by the water. Um, Or I'll just do it right after the workout and go on the treadmill for like 20 minutes at a pretty fast pace, you know. And, and how tall are you, John, if I could ask? Uh, five eight. Okay. You probably used to be five nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I'm I used to be five eight. I'm probably five seven. <laughs> that's funny. We all we all lose like an inch, right? Yeah. I think that's I th- I thought I was five eight. I'm a five six and a half now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I don't know if Sean you had a question. I no, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. No, so um you know, just uh, yesterday we we um, changed gears for a second. We found out that um, uh, M- Mike uh, Quinn, Mike Quinn, Mike yeah. Quinn passed away. Yeah, and um, he had a long. He was fighting an illness for a long time, um, which we don't really know too much about. Right. But um, I know you and I both have had um, uh, encounters with him in a positive way. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, he was a great guy full of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so how, how did you had him on your podcast, right? Yeah. When I started doing interviews on my podcast with some of the old school guys, he, I had him on a couple of times and uh, he was really a good interview because he didn't hold back. You know, he, he was totally open and honest about everything, about his relationships, about the drugs he did, about politics and bodybuilding, you know. So, yeah, he was always a fun interview. But I admired him, you know, when I was growing up in the 20s, like when I was in my 20s. I think Mike was like maybe a year or two older than me, but he was, you know, much more advanced. He was a pro bodybuilder already. And uh, so I would, uh, you know, watch his videos uh, when he competed in the Olympia. I always read his, his interviews in the magazines. He was a great interview because, again, he was so open about everything. And I liked his physique. You know how we kind of like pick a guy who's got the same kind of physique we do as someone mm -hmm. to look up to? And that's Mike had kind of the same or I had kind of the same kind of characteristics in my physique that Mike did. I had big arms, biceps and a good back. And that's what Mike had. And then my legs were always lagging a little behind my upper body. And that's how Mike was, too. So when I was uh, putting together a posing routine, I would always look at Mike's posing routines from his Olympia. And he was a great poser. He would always pose to like. Uh, Guns and Roses or the Gap Band, you know, really high energy stuff. Yeah. And he coordinated his poses perfectly with the music. He was really a great, great poser. And uh, so I would always watch his stuff and I, I would use a lot of the same music he did. I would borrow some of the same poses he did. So he was an inspiration to me like that. I, he was always one of my favorite bodybuilders, although I knew he wasn't going to probably beat Lee Haney or Rich Gaspari or Lee Labrada. He was up there, you know, when he came in good shape, he was still up there. So, uh, I just really, he, I was a big fan of his. And then I did get to meet him. The first time I met him was at the, I think the 1990 Pro Ironman, which was in California. And I was out there on vacation and I got to see it. And that was the first, first Pro Ironman they ever had. Sean Ray won it. And he was oh, wow. in the lobby and I just went up to him and he was super cool. Like I always heard like he was an asshole or he was super aggressive. And, you know, he always started fights with people, but he was so cool. So I'm like, man, that's, that's bullshit. He's not, he's not an asshole at all. No, he was but, like really, really cool. I think yeah. it was a persona. It seemed like just his intensity persona, but behind yeah. the scenes, different person. Yeah, it was funny he's talking about his posing routines because when I, I would do the same thing that you did, I would look at all the videos of you know Labrada and, and yeah. I would see my I would see my Quinn too, and you would think like a guy, uh, an alpha kind of guy like that would not do the routines that he did, <laughs> and, and I thought it was kind of like cool because it showed you how to present your physique on stage the way it should be in the sense of yeah. like, don't hope like, I think too many guys hold back on how they present their physiques. And, and a guy like Mike would be so charismatic and so full of energy on stage. Yeah. It, yeah. it was inspiring to watch. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did remember, you have a cross um, Yeah. So um, in 19, I think 91 or early 92, um, I had an opportunity to go to the WWE headquarters up in Connecticut. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, to do, I got hired to be like a background, in a background of a video. And okay. And it was um, MC, not MC Hammer, um, one of the guys like MC Hammer, it was one of the rappers. Yeah. And he was, he was popular at the time. Definitely wasn't MC Hammer, but I can't remember the guy's name. And they were also doing footage with Mike Quinn. And doing some training videos okay. and i got i got an opportunity to train back with him and he, he showed me a trick where he it's not a trick you just you know instead of going from one side to the next on one arm rows 
he would tell me, okay, you're going to do your left side. I'm going to do my left side. We're going to recover. You'll do your right side. I'll do my right side. Okay. And so he, 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 he said to me, when you're alone, do your left side and think of it as half a set and you're going to wait a minute and do the other side. Mm. And that was the best advice at the time because I was, I was still like growing. I wasn't like, you know, yeah. I was competing out, but it was just coming out of my teenage years. Yeah. And um, that really helped me for the 92 Jersey and junior USA. It brought mm. my back up. I, I did that for like a year. I, I mm. followed his advice with that. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He was really cool. And then, there were some other guys involved that um, from New York and Florida who didn't like each other. It was so it was great <laughs> stuff at the time. The energy yeah. back then was way different, you know, than it is today. Yeah. And um, yeah. Mike was full of energy, and um, every time I saw him, he acted like he always knew me. Mm -hmm. You know, he was the, one of those guys that just once you met Mike Quinn, he always respected you. Yeah. 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 He was cool. He was real cool. Yeah, so, that, makes, that makes a big deal. I mean, we used to admire those guys so much in the magazine. So when you finally got to meet them in person, it was a big deal. It was like kind of like meeting a movie star, you know. So the ones, oh, that absolutely. Treated, you know, the ones that treated you with respect and the ones that were cool to you, you always remember that, you know, and the ones that weren't, you always remember that, too, you know. So absolutely. It was a big deal. absolutely. Yeah. 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 But so, obviously thoughts and prayers go out to the Quinn family again. Big loss. Yeah. But, yeah, great stories, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Where are you at now with your career and what are you doing? Um, I'm in Tampa, Florida. So I, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I moved out here about 12 years ago. And right now I'm doing online coaching. I'm working for a company called Pro Physique, which is owned by a friend of mine, Paul Revelia. And uh, I'm also involved with doing my podcast. I have this podcast called Bodybuilding Legends, where I interview guys from the 60s, the 70s and the 80s. Uh, I usually stop it at the 80s. I don't really talk to the, any of the current guys. So it's more the golden age of bodybuilding. And uh, I try to talk to them about their careers and, you know, uh, what they did for their training and, and any good stories they have and things like that. So that's been going on for, I think this summer will be six years I've been doing it. Nice. So, uh, and then uh, I'm writing books. Uh, I'm writing a book right now on the history of bodybuilding, which will probably take me a couple of years to write. And uh, I'm going to write another book. I just turned 60 this year. So I'm going to write a book about turning 60 uh, later in the year. So, yeah, all that pretty keeps me busy, you know, with the coaching and then the writing and the video editing and all that stuff. You know, that's basically what I'm doing now. And how many um, natural Olympias did you win? I just won the first one in 98. And uh, the universe, I won three times. I won I won in 92 and 96. And then I won the Olympia in 98. And then I came back and won the universe when I was a master's when I was 49, right before my 50th birthday. And, and was it uh, your last contest? Uh, no. Then I came back and I did some MPC shows. Uh, I did Tim Gardner's uh, Tampa Pro, the uh, amateur part of it. I did the over 50. And then I did the Florida State. So that was in 2016. That was my last uh, last time I competed. I was 53. All right, cool. Just like how I am right now. I'm 56 now. Okay. John, yeah. did, you, did you ever want to get your IFBB Pro card or did you want to stay on the, the other side of things? No, I tried. I... When I was 22, after I went through that bulk up period and I got to 230, um, I went to the MPC and I gave myself a five-year uh, window. You know, I, I gave myself a, I said, in five years, I want to turn pro. So back then, the only way to turn pro was you had to win your class at the Nationals, go to the Mr. Universe, win the Mr. Universe, 
And then that's how you got your pro card. But I wanted to win Mr. Universe. That was my goal. But uh, I just wasn't uh, I just wasn't big enough. You know, I was around 205 as a heavyweight and I went to the junior nationals a couple of times and I couldn't even make top 10. So wow. uh, I was using uh, steroids for a little bit then, but I only used them like 12 weeks before a contest. I didn't use them in the off season because I didn't feel I needed to because I was already 230 naturally. Um, but maybe I needed to do more. You know, that's what everybody was telling me. They go, you, you're not going to play with these guys, you know, doing a 12 week cycle, a pre-contest cycle. You got to do more in the off season. So I never did that. So maybe that was the reason, whatever. But uh, I, I did go to a light heavyweight on my last contest. Um, but I lost a lot of size in my legs. So I don't think I think my structure was too big to be light heavyweight. So, yeah, after five years, I didn't really I won a couple local shows. I won like the MPC Illinois State. I won the Mid-America. So I won like uh, state and regional level shows, but I didn't I couldn't crack the top five at a national level show. So when you I decided to uh, not do it anymore. When you competed in Illinois, did you mm -hmm. compete with Chuck Sano? Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, I competed oh, wow. with Chuck as a teenager because we okay. knew each other since we were teenagers. Yeah. He's still the chairman, right? I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and I, I trained at his gym. He owned a gym called USA Gym. Um, originally, I trained at a gym called Hammer's Gym in the '80s, and then when that gym closed, Chuck opened up his gym called USA Gym, and everybody went there. And then, uh, yeah, me and Chuck—we only actually we knew I've known Chuck since I was like 18, but I think we only competed against each other once at uh, there was a contest called the Chicago Challenge in 1989. And he won. I mean, he was a great competitor. He was always so shredded and ripped. And uh, I got fourth at that show. I carved, I carb loaded with, uh, and I made a mistake. I was drinking too much water when I was carb loading. So I was the biggest guy in the show, but I was uh, not ripped like Chuck was. And Charles Durr took second. Remember Charles Durr? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No yeah. He won the middleweight class at the USA, I think, in 91, the year Matarazzo won. Right. I actually competed out that way once. Um at the Continental USA in Skokie, Illinois. Oh, yeah. I remember the Continental USA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was 1989. <laughs> wow. Was it really? Yeah. The, the only Probably saw reason that, why I did it was because um, Porter Cottrell competed in it, and he won it. Oh, that was the one Porter won? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I liked Porter, and I'm like, I want to be like Porter Cottrell. Yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> it was a stupid reason. But it gave me an opportunity to travel and understand how I should bring my food and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it was a good experience. It actually prepared me for what was to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they had some great shows back in Chicago back in the day. Have you ever competed internationally? Uh, well, the, the Natural Olympia was in Greece, so I guess oh, that wow. was like international. Yeah, they, yeah. they wanted to hold the first one in Greece, you know, because that's where bodybuilding started. So that was kind of cool. And we, I went out to Hungary the week before that to do a guest posing at the Hungarian championships, which was a natural contest too. And uh, the promoter of that contest, he brought a big team of uh, bodybuilders from Hungary over to Greece to compete in the first natural Olympia. So uh, yeah, I think that was the only time I ever competed overseas though. Did you get a chance to guest pose a lot around, around the world? Not around the world, but I did guest pose a lot. Um, after I won my first contest, which was the 86 MPC Illinois, I was guest posing a lot in Chicago and in the Midwest, like St. Louis or Indiana. And, uh, and then even when I turned, uh, when I was in natural, uh, bodybuilding too, I competed, or I guess posed a lot of shows. So yeah, I, I did a lot of guest posing, um, when I was competing, but nothing, you know, uh, nothing international. It, it's kind of funny. Um, 
when I talked to a lot of guys that competed in the eighties and early nineties yeah, and did well, won a state title or regional title and guest post and, and made kind of some, a little bit of a living from it. Yeah. And guys today don't even like think of, of doing that. I, yeah, I just well, find I, it bizarre. I think the guest posing is pretty much done. I don't think I don't think promoters use guest posers much anymore because um well the whole landscape has changed now because we have social media. I think people see these guys on social media so they don't need to see them at a contest. Where before before we had social media, if you had like Ronnie or Jay at a contest, you would like I remember there was a promoter in Chicago who would bring like Jay in every year or bring Ronnie in every year and he would sell out every time he brought. So I think he would pay them like eight grand to guest pose, but he would make his money back because he would completely sell out because people wanted to see these guys because they couldn't see them, you know, except for the magazines. That was the only place they saw them. Now you see everybody on YouTube every day, you know, everybody's got videos and you see these guys. So I don't think it's a big draw anymore to have a pro bodybuilder as a guest poser. And plus now they have all these different divisions. So I think the promoters are making their money off of the entry fees. And then yeah. I don't think they really even care about, you know, I'm sure they want to fill the, fill the audience, but I think they're making most of their money off of the entry fees. As long as they get enough people in all these different divisions that they have, they're going to make a profit. Right. Uh, where before I think it was more important to sell out the contest because they only had a couple divisions back then. They just had bodybuilding, you know? Yeah. And it's funny that yeah. Jay is actually guest posing at the Masters. Yeah. Movie. He'll be at the Masters. Yeah. He's getting in shape. I, I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting to see what he puts together. Yeah, yeah. He already looks pretty good. Yeah, he does. He'll be 50 this year. He's still young, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, what you and Vinny don't see is people ask questions here on the side here, and someone's asking what your thoughts were of Mike Ashley. Oh, Mike was great. Um, I saw him uh, at that pro Ironman that Sean Ray won. He got second, and I interviewed him as well. You know, So, yeah, Mike was an incredible bodybuilder, unbelievable condition, like super ripped, and another good poser, another great poser. He was also drug free. That's what he says. Yeah, he said he was natural. So he was actually, I think he was the only one back then saying he was natural. Him and uh, Paul Jean Guillaume. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to believe that you could win a pro show or place high in a pro show being natural. But he didn't weigh a lot. You know, he wasn't. He was like 190 pounds on stage. I mean, he wasn't a big guy, but he just had that incredible uh, muscle separation and good thickness. So, and he, I know he was so, so strict with his diet. You know, I've talked to reporters that saw like he would bring all his food with him in Tupperware containers, you know, and this is back in the eighties before anybody was doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember he would even bring a microwave with him to the hotel room. <laughs> yeah. So he was really ridiculous with his diet. That's pretty cool. Yeah. John, with, with the natural Mr. Olympia, someone else asking, is that, is that uh, drug tested in your analysis or how do they, how do they verify or validate? Uh, they did a urinalysis. Yeah. So okay. I think they would, they do it differently at every one. Um, some of them would take a sample of, you know, urinalysis sample from everybody and then everybody would have to pay for the test. And then some of them would, would do it like right after the contest. So if you won or took second or third, you would have to go and give a, give a drug sample and then, you know, sign the, sign the things and all that stuff. And then they would test it then. So I think that's probably the better way to do it because then you're only testing the guys who are placing higher. There's no reason to test the people that place lower, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
And then they could do polygraph too. You know, I, I promoted like, I think I promoted 15 drug tested shows. So we did it. We oh. did it several different ways. We did one, you know, a couple of times I did it with a polygraph guy and he would have to come in like on Thursday and then do polygraph tests all day, Thursday, all day, Friday, and try to get everybody in and he would test everybody. And then, then we switched to doing uh, more urinalysis and we would, but you have to pay for it. See, that's the bad thing is you're, if you're a promoter of a natural bodybuilding show, you have to pay for those tests. So the more testing you do, the more you got to pay for. Um, so, you know, there was always rumors about certain natural contests where they wouldn't test at all. They would say they're testing, you know, they would take the sample and they probably throw it in the garbage, you know, cause why, why test, you know, why spend the money? Cause it just, it comes out of the promoter's pocket. So the more, intensive the drug testing is and the more people you test the more it's going to cost the promoter so it's it's a hard uh, hard thing to do it's just easier to do a show where there's no testing and as a promoter do you have a, a choice of what te test to uh give an athlete uh i think it's up to the organization you know the okay. organization usually dictates how their promoters have to do it the one you know i did it with uh, the aba which is now called the inba and that was the organization that I won the natural universe, natural Olympia. So they, I did it when I was in Chicago and uh, he wanted to, the, the, uh, the, the president of the organization wanted me to help him uh, promote a show out there. And I said, why don't you just let me promote the show? That way I can do it the way I want to do it. And then I'll just pay you a sanction fee. So he agreed to that. And I think I ended up doing like 12 shows out there. And then when I moved to Tampa, I did three shows out here for the MPC which were natural shows. Uh, but those weren't as successful because, you know, with the MPC, the big shows are the ones where they try to get their pro card, you know, and being a natural, there's really no incentive for these people who try to get pro cards because they really couldn't turn pro. It wasn't a pro qualifier or it wasn't a national qualifier. So uh, most of the shows that did well out here with the MPC were the ones where, that were national qualifiers so they could get to those shows and then turn pro, you know. Gotcha. Is it just too expensive to add it onto the entry fee for the, for the uh, competitor? To do it for that the way? drug testing, yeah, whether it's poly or whatever it is, yeah, yeah, you could do that, I guess. Uh, the way I did it when we did the polygraph was I just had every competitor had to pay the drug, the the guy, and he just got paid himself. I didn't, so he just got all the money and he was oh, just okay. doing that service, so it was all through him, yeah. And then when you do it with the urinalysis, it just comes out of the promoter's pocket, so mm. you just got to hope you have enough sponsors and stuff, you know, to, to cover all that, okay. So when, when you did your last show, did you just, what, what made you finally decide to hang up the tights? For competing? Yeah. Uh, well, I was, I didn't look as good as I wanted to, <laughs> to be honest. You know, I, I thought I looked really, I thought I looked good going into the show. And then when I saw the pictures, I was kind of disappointed. And uh, it's just the way, you know, just the way the contests have changed now, the way the whole thing is, you know, they have all these different divisions and stuff. And when I was getting ready for the show, I thought, Oh, this is going to be like the 80s. I'm going to come out there. I'm going to do my posing routine. And I'm going to have all these people in the audience from the, the gym and my friends and stuff. And the place is going to be going crazy. And it really wasn't like that. You know, it was like it was kind of disappointing. It was kind of anticlimactic. And then they they make you go so quickly because they have so many divisions to get through, you know, and yeah. being a master's, they put the master's on first. So we were in and out. And I was like, holy shit, I trained for this thing for six months and it was over in five minutes, you know, <laughs> so, so it was just kind of anticlimactic. So now what I do is uh, I'll get in shape like every year or every two years and I'll diet down like I'm getting ready for a show. But this time I'll do photo shoots. And I think the photo shoots, at least right now, at this point in my career, I think it benefits me more because, you know, you can get the right angle, you can get the right 
pictures and then you can use the sure. best pictures, you know, to promote yourself where when you're competing, as Vinny knows, I mean, you're up there naked and you're looking, they're looking at you from every angle. They're trying to find every, you know, flaw they can find where, uh, you know, when you do photo shoots, you don't have to go through all that <laughs> over analysis. <laughs> so go back to, we're talking about like posing routines. Um, what type of um, genre of music did you pick? I picked mostly pop music like uh, Loverboy, Bon Jovi. Um, uh, one of my favorite songs was uh, Welcome to the Jungle from Guns N' Roses. Classic. Like everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's something that will get the audience going. And uh, I help people out here in Tampa sometimes with their posing. And I always tell them, for some reason, these kids today, they're these kids today, they, they pick these uh, songs where it's just instrumental. And I'm like, I, I haven't even heard of the song. What is this song? And it's kind of slow and it's instrumental. And I'm like, you need like an 80s song, you know, with good rock music, good lyrics, you know, that's what's going to get the audience going, you know? They just pick these slower songs. And I'm like, that's not going to do anything. And then I tell them that you can coordinate your poses with the music. You know, when the music goes high, you can do this pose. And when it comes down, you know, you can do this pose, your transitions. And so the, I think the music you use is so, so important, you know, as oh, far yeah. as an audience response you know and I, I don't think a lot of these kids get that for, for some reason you know I, I guess they're just not i guess they're not seeing it out there in the posing routines that are out there you know with the pros they're just i mean if you go to the olympia most of these guys don't do good posing routines at all i mean i might yeah they're doing this to remember, the crowd. yeah yeah i mean i can remember posing routines the song this guy used what year it was like from 30 years ago and I can't remember one posing routine from the Olympia last year in 2022. And that was just uh, six months ago. You know, it's funny. At the Arnold, the only posing routine that stood out that I thought, because I didn't, I'd never seen him pose before, was Nick Walker. Yeah. And he did He's a, good. Uh, he did an excellent job. Yeah, he does. He did an excellent job. So I, I was yeah. very happy to see him pose. Yeah, he's doing lunging poses and yep. he's doing good transitions and he uses good music. So yeah, I, you could tell he's working on it. You know, he's Absolutely. not Lee but he's doing a good job. Yeah, I'm having an issue now. I'm thinking of like, what do I want to use for the Masters Olympia? And yeah. I go back to the same thing that you do. So I, you know, I, I think of like who stands out for me. I, I think of yeah. um, Bob Harris and Lee yeah. Labrada and, and Muhammad yeah. McAway and the right. young guys today. Don't I showed a kid in the gym the other day. Um, Bob Harris, he had no idea who he was, hmm. and he knew of Frank. You know, knew Frank Zane. Yeah, but and I guess because Frank won the Olympia three times, so the kids know that. Yeah, and I showed him Bob Harris, and he's like, "How come he never won the Olympia?" I said, "He because he just was against better guys." Yeah, and you know, trying to trying to think about posing routines of like how Sean Ray posed to yeah. like, uh, Dream Girls. Yeah, um, yeah. I, um, I am telling you, or I'm, um, I think that that's the name of the song. That was from Dream Girls, yeah. Yeah, Dream Girls. Um, Lee Labrada had some amazing mixes. Yeah. Um, I don't even. I, I actually think one of his routines was um, uh, from that movie from the '80s, uh, Warriors. Oh, remember okay. That? Yeah. 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 And I remember song. he posted the the theme music from the Running Man, Arnold's movie. The Running Man. Yeah. 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 But he mixed a lot of stuff together. He would he would do two full songs together. I mean, he would come out and pose for like three and a half minutes. He was amazing, and I mean, he wasn't even breathing at the end of it. He was incredible shape, you know. Most so guys, in condition. 
Yeah, yeah, he would just flow and, you know, effortlessly through all these poses, you know, lunging, you know, moving this way, moving that way. And he would do two full songs and he would just be, it was just perfect. He was amazing. I I Googled um, the arena where the Masters Olympia was going to be. And I I saw some concerts that were online and the sound system there is is magnificent. Oh, great. So, like, I have a few things in mind. Um, I have a list so far. I, it's, you know, it started out with one. I'm up to like eight songs. Okay. <laughs> I have one. I always tell people, don't po- don't pick a song on emotion. Like, like you, you and, I, and I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to some people, but uh, some people will say, well, this song reminded me of my dad or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, he passed away. Yeah. And it just reminds me of him. And now here I am. Uh, so my dad passed away, and he 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 was a singer, and I have on my on my sleeve on my on my shoulder I did it my way, by Frank oh, Sinatra, yeah. and that's yeah. one of the songs that I'm thinking about. I did yeah. it my way, yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, I'm going against what I preach, <laughs> right, right. And then I have other a mix and stuff. From you remember um, uh, Russ Testo? Oh yeah, sure. He was I awesome. Spoke, I just spoke to him recently. Yeah. He's actually kind of kind of helped me with my pose routine. Oh, awesome. Yeah, you can't get anybody yeah. better than that. Right? Russ. Yeah. Yeah. Vin, what do you generally trend though? Because I've seen more of your guest posing, and your guest posings seem more hardcore rock, but when you compete, yeah. you don't you don't do hard rock when you compete when you compete though, do you? No. I so like over the years competing, I've posed to the Phantom of the Opera. Um I've posed to uh more like instrumental stuff like um back to the future mm-hmm. um some would say kind of corny songs but it, it would it would uh it would um keith washington kissing oh, you. Yeah. yeah very very sexy song yeah um you know but like the problem i'm having now is my left knee um i'm bone on bone and I, and I just had some therapy done to it. I had some exosome therapy injection into my knee. Okay. And it, it's actually 80% better. And, I, and I'm just starting to attempt to get into some lunging positions <laughs> right. with posing. Right. And um, I noticed that when I'm in the gym and I'm training, I can go into a lunge and no problem. When I'm hmm. cold. So I'm like, well, I'm going to be cold backstage. I'm like, I'm not going to be trained. I'm just going to be pumping up. So I'm not yeah. sure where I'm going to go with it. Yeah. My, my arsenal. And, you know, and I have 14 anchors throughout both shoulders. Wow. So I'm limited on some of the poses that I would able to do. With my hands in the air. Um, so a lot of my poses now might be more closed poses mm-hmm. opposed to open poses. Mm-hmm. And I'm limited on the open poses. You know, yeah. My front double bicep is fine. My front last spread is fine. But those overhead Zane kind of poses, hmm. okay. I'm going to be limited to. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know yet. So I won't know until probably maybe three or four weeks out from the show. Okay. When I'm, you know, my waist is really small and everything's flaring and my quads are, you know, you know how it is when you're three or four weeks out. Yeah, you're it changes. Your body changes. Yeah. yeah, your body yeah. changes. So for yeah. me to pick a song right now, it's like I have a list, but you know, yeah, you're right, Sean. Because in my when guest pose, I would I would guest pose to uh, like an ACDC it, or something. I pose to ACDC. I pose to um, Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
bang your head by um oh shit <laughs> quite right quite right quite right yeah that's, that's um, training music <laughs> it's all good great music right but yeah. it's great to pose to and then i start thinking like does that what people would want to see in a in a posing routine i don't want to guess posing yeah yeah but maybe i should lean towards something from the 80s and 90s yeah i don't know maybe you know the, we'll final, the final countdown remember that one? Oh my god yeah <laughs> But what, what are your thoughts on combining both? Like a lot of people, I remember back in the day, would have something slow and then be a pause and all of a sudden jump into something fast-paced to get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, we only have two that. minutes to do a posing routine. Okay. Right? So I know like back in the day in the NPC, we used to have 90 seconds. Now they only have 60 seconds. Mm. So I know that like when I pose to any song, you, you had like, and, and John, you know this, like you can come out, you can strut a little bit come out like you know with an attitude do a spin or something right and go yeah. into your routine and the actual posing routine was probably 70 80 seconds and 10 seconds worth of fluff mm-hmm. to get you going right so now we, we have two minutes so i want to take the most time I, I don't know how i want to start my routine i don't think i i'm you know i'm not that guy anymore so i don't know if i look good walking out with an attitude like I did when I was younger. So I, I you know, I got to see how, how, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I really yeah, don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got you have to slip the uh, sound guy 20 bucks and tell him to go longer. You know, that way you can go like, I've done bucks. that. <laughs> <laughs> I've totally, I've done that. Yeah. I've totally done that. Yeah. I, hey, so if anybody's listening, if anybody has any song choices, yeah, I'm open. Message me on Instagram. I'm, I'm willing to uh, take a listen to any, any song. I, yeah. you know, I I can post the tiptoe through the tulip by Tiny Tim if that <laughs> if I needed to. So, mm. so you're not going to do your wedding song to you and your wife then because it's too emotional. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> uh, she's watching now. Your ass is grass after this. She probably doesn't know what it was. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, John, as, as you wind down, as we did mention earlier, you know we have three random questions just so people know get to learn a little bit more about you. Okay. Um, what's your favorite actor or actress? Oh wow, favorite actor. I'm a big movie guy, so I love movies. Or maybe top three, two. Okay. Um, like current or all time? Your choice, dealer choice. I mean, De Niro, Robert De Niro is awesome. He's amazing. Daniel Day Lewis is great. Um, movies. My favorite movie of all time is still Rocky. Of course. Yeah. First one? Yeah, the first one. Okay. Yeah. And The Godfather. Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Goodfellas. Yep. Those I like things. you even more now. <laughs> it's funny you bring up Robert De Niro because it was just announced he's 79 and his wife is pregnant. Talk about having kids at a late what? age. He's like oh, six he's, kids. That, was, uh, that was Pacino, I think. No, Pacino as well. Pacino's like 84 and just announced he's having oh, a child. Oh, they both got him yes. pregnant. Wow. That's how much of a movie nerd I am. Um, today's, uh, today's Clint Eastwood's birthday. He's 93. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you win the lottery. What's the first thing you buy? I'll tell you what. If I won the lottery, I would create the first bodybuilding hall of fame out here in Tampa. I would buy the building and I would uh, start the first bodybuilding hall of fame. There's never been a bodybuilding hall of fame. So if I ever won money, that's what, that's what I would do with it. <laughs> I like that. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. That's good. Yeah. And I then of course, the, 
and then the obvious go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? Uh personal, bodybuilding, professional, whatever it may be. Well, it's easy to say now, but probably be a little more well-rounded. You know, I mean, I'm sure Vinny can relate to this. And when you get involved with competing, it's just become so tunnel visioned that you kind of don't enjoy the process a lot of times and you push things aside just for, you know, competition. So I think I would have been like, I didn't go away to college because I didn't want it to interfere with my training where now I think mm, I could have done that. You know, I probably could have went away to college for a four-year degree. I ended up getting my degree later on at night, going back to school at night. And uh, like my two nephews, they both went away to college and they've got great memories from that. They've got good friends from that great memories. But I just was so focused on like my bodybuilding that uh, I didn't, you know, I just like was tunnel visioned and just worked as a bouncer and just put everything into bodybuilding. So it's easy to say now. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I would have uh, changed it, but, you know, maybe been a little bit more well-rounded, I think uh, that might have, you know, but I, I have no regrets, I guess, really. I mean, I, it, it's also fun when you go into when you do something and it's like I have no other choice. There's no plan B. I've got to win this contest. I'm putting everything on the line for it that's very, very energizing and very exciting, especially if it works out, you know, yeah. and, and you win the contest. So um, I don't regret that at all. That, those were some of like the best memories of my life was going into some of those contests and winning those shows and putting everything into it and, uh, and then becoming successful and winning that contest, whether it was a state title or whatever it was, it doesn't matter, you know? So those were some, I mean, the memories I have from uh, some of the contests I won and some of those years I went through in my 20s and 30s, I'll never forget. So um, I never wanted to live like a normal life and just go get a job and get married and have a regular house and, you know, all that stuff and not be a not be someone that people would know. I wanted to make a name for myself in this field, which was bodybuilding. So I was willing to go through those sacrifices and not do those normal things, you know. I I have a listener now asking who would be the first inductee to the Hall of Fame? Me. Well, I would love to put Arnold in there, but uh, I mean, I would definitely put Lee Haney in there. He's a great guy, a really great representative of bodybuilding. And I've gotten to know Lee over the last couple of years. So he would definitely be probably the, my first choice. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's someone else quickly asking, has John ever ate at the best Greek food in Tarpon Springs in Tampa? It's the restaurant, the Greek Greek food, best Greek food. Yeah, I know they're they're well known for their Greek food. No, I never have. I'll have to make I'll have to make that trip out there. That's not too far. That's by Clearwater. So yep. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So where uh where can people reach you for online training? Uh my website is johnhansonfitness.com. Um, so they could go there. I also have another website called bodybuildinglegendshow.com. And my podcast is on both YouTube, which is under my name, John Hansen. And, uh, if you listen to podcasts, it's the bodybuilding legends, uh, podcast. So you can listen to that. Usually we have shows up every week and then I'm on Instagram at, uh, John Hansen one. And I'm also on Facebook. So cool. this Perfect. was a very quick hour. Yeah, it was. It went by quick. A lot of great yeah, info. It was a pleasure. Oh, we could probably do this again. We could do a part two. Yeah, I'd be I'd be totally up for that for sure. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, so for the listeners, I was telling John earlier that um, as I dive into my Masters Olympia um, prep, 
Uh, Sean and I had talked about having Jimmy Mentis on as a guest uh, to take my place. And yeah. I'd love to have you, John, uh, yeah. come on, take my place a couple of times. Because um, I know I'm not going to, you know, want to do this <laughs> when, the, when the, the carbs are low. Right, right. Um, as I dive into into prep. So I, it would be a pleasure if you, if you, if you yeah, joined, Sean. I would love to yeah. do that. I'd right, love cool. it. I would we'll love set it. it up, yeah. So um, speaking of, we're doing a one-off this Sunday, knock on wood, at 7 p.m. with Tony Pearson. Oh, yeah, great. Him. Tony's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then and then next Wednesday, as you brought his name up earlier, Vinny Portacatrell. Looking forward to meeting him as oh, well. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. Porter's, yeah. Porter's great, too. I had both of those guys on my show. I just had uh, Tony on recently because his movie came out. Yes. Right. Driven. Yeah. Have you guys read the book, Driven, his book, his autobiography? I have not, not yet. No. Yeah, it's really good. It's It was shocking the things he went through as a kid. I had no idea. Like, all those years he was a bodybuilder, he never talked about it. He kept it all hidden. I mean, it was almost like child abuse that he went through. So it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So uh, let's let's save that for Sunday. All right. <laughs> yeah, he's. I know he's he's sixty six and still looks. Gosh, oh, he's like unbelievable. He's yeah, ridiculous. Talk about the the ultimate bodybuilder. You know, I mean, I mean that guy's just a hardcore bodybuilder. He's always in shape. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, John. It has been a pleasure. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks, yes. John. John, we'll thank you and continued success. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Take care, Take care guys. Everyone. Vin, have a great night. Thank you all for listening. And once again, subscribe to uh, underscore Masters Muscle Podcast. And again, thank you so much. Have a great afternoon and a great evening.